Good morning, everyone. Thank you, uh, worship team. Thank you, Naj. I get fired up when Naj does announcements. I'm, I'm ready to do something strong. I'm Steve Sessler, and it's just such a joy to be with you all uh, today. We're continuing our series in Building Strong Families, and today we're going to talk about the role of a father. And I have been pumped about this message, not that I was such a great father, but that it's such an important topic. Malachi wrote that um, for Israel to get ready for the coming Messiah, that the father's hearts would be turned to the children, to their children, and the children's hearts would be turned to their fathers. And then 400 years later, Luke wrote about the mission of John the Baptist. And one of the things John the Baptist came for was to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children to prepare the people for the Lord's coming. And so God's desire is for fathers and their children to have hearts for one another. Now, my message this morning clearly does not uh, say anything against the unbelievably critical role of mothers, right? Douglas Wilson wrote in Father Hunger, he said, if I write about the importance of vitamin D, I'm not saying that vitamin E is not important. Both are important. So both are important for us today. You know, it is, it is tough to be a godly father. It is hard nowadays, and you got to be really wise. There was a, a man that on December 23rd, he called his adult son and said, uh, son, your mom and I are having trouble, and we've decided to separate. And the son just goes crazy. He says, Dad, you can't do that. That's not right. I'm, does, my, does my sister know? He says, no. He says, I'm going to call her. So a couple minutes later, the daughter calls the dad and says, this is crazy. You guys love each other. My brother and I have changed all our plans. We're flying in tomorrow. Don't do anything until we just sit and talk. And the dad said, okay, okay. He hangs up and he looks at his wife and smiles a little bit and he says, sweetheart, the kids are coming home for Christmas and they're paying their own way. <laughs> My audience uh, this morning as I thought about who I want to speak to is for, to fathers and fathers-to-be. And you may not be a father here, but you can be a father to someone. In 1940, about 4% of children grew up without a father, and today it's 40%. So you can be a father. Um, It's also for grandfathers. Scripture has many words to say about a grandfather's role. Deuteronomy 4 says, tell your children and teach their children about God's commands. Speaking of uh, grandchildren, here are my five grandsons. So this is uh, Will... Rudy, little Luke, Jack, and Eli, and um, I appreciate you asking me to share that picture with you this morning. <laughs> anyway, my, uh, my second audience this morning is uh, for those that can pray for fathers. So maybe today you can have some s- specific ideas on ways you can pray for a father you love. Maybe it's your husband or your father, or uh, maybe it's a son-in-law or a neighbor. Now, I know that there are some here who had horrible fathers. And while every father makes mistakes, uh, some were just really nasty. And uh, my prayer 
um, is that uh, just as we sang today, that the son would set you free. He came to set us free and those chains would not hold you down and that you can forgive your father just as we've each been forgiven. So let's, uh, let's just uh, open with a word of prayer. Father, I, uh, I just thank you for this opportunity. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill each one of us. Your word is eternal. Your word is true. Your word is good. And I just pray that we would uh, want to uh, know it and taste it uh, and have more passion for your word than we do for bread or water. And so, Father, just um, your presence we invite and just um, teach us the things you want us to know and apply and obey today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I want to share three things that a godly father will do. First, a godly father will impact generations. Many people have said that a man has a desire to be part of something bigger than themselves. And a godly father uh, has that opportunity. Psalm 112 verse 1 and 2 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. Each generation of the upright will be blessed. Scripture captures a small but very uh, powerful recap of a family legacy. One of uh, Jacob's 12 sons was Asher. Asher came from one of the most dysfunctional families in the Bible. There were four moms, severe jealousy, a favorite son, and it got so bad in Asher's family that Asher was part of, a group of the gang that tried to kill his brother Joseph, and then he was part of the group that sold Joseph to traitors. But apparently, God did a great work in Asher's life that affected generations. Moses wrote of Asher, most blessed of sons is Asher. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him bathe his feet in oil. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze and your strength will equal your days. Tony Evans wrote about Asher's transformation. Tony said, perhaps due to his earlier misdeeds, the ensuing guilt as he watched his father's grief, as well as the subsequent near starvation of his people, but Asher became a changed man. Asher's legacy is captured in 1 Chronicles. In uh, chapter 7, verse 40, we learn all these were descendants of Asher, heads of families, choice men, brave warriors, and outstanding leaders. The number of men ready for battle as listed in their genealogy was 26,000. By the way, in Genesis 46, we have a list of all of Jacob's relatives that left Canaan to go to Egypt. And um, there's only one granddaughter listed. And she's Asher's daughter, Sarah. And so we can assume that he trained his daughters to impact generations as well. So in First Chronicles, we see that Asher's legacy, legacy included the following. First, heads of families. Asher taught his sons and daughters to be leaders in their families. Second, Asher trained up choice men. They were trained to be excellent in their field. Asher trained brave warriors. They were brave, courageous, willing to risk themselves for the betterment of the whole. And Asher trained leaders. His descendants were trained to serve others. This past Advent season, we read in 
Luke 2, uh, the story about Anna. Remember, she was the woman that was the old, old woman that stayed in the temple and worshiped God day and night, fasting and praying. Anna was from the tribe of Asher. And so 40 generations later, Asher's legacy is still worshiping God. He left a great legacy over many generations. In the Living Bible translation, Psalm 100, verse 5 says, For the Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. And his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. So godly fathers will impact generations, and they'll also teach and train their children to walk with God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So we learn several things from this passage. First, This commandment starts with each one of us having a real and personal relationship with the Lord. Verse 5 says that we are to love God with all of our heart and soul and strength. A father can't give away something that he doesn't have. So to be a godly father, we must first love God. Second, godly fathers teach their children to love love the Lord their God with all their heart and soul and strength all the time. We teach them when we sit at home and when we walk, when we lie down, when we get up. It's a natural part of our conversation. It's, for, it's not formal. It's not stiff. It's not awkward. It's normal. It's, it's uh, just natural. You know, it's funny how you remember some stuff from a long, long time ago. Over 20 years ago, we lived in Argentina, and I would take my children to school, and we would talk about scripture along the way. And there was a, a several-week period where we really went deep into Philippians 4.8. Uh, you, you know the verse says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so we would take a, a few days and go through what does being true mean? And then we take a few more days what is being noble about. And I remember uh, the day before we talked about purity... We had visited a building, and they had a swimming pool out back, and the pool had not been cleaned out for years. And you looked at the pool, and you wanted to gag. And the next day, we talked about purity. And this was over 20 years ago, and one of my daughters still to this day remembers that specific talk on the way to to school. Um, Some say that values are caught and not taught. And we kind of get that point, right? A dad can't say one thing and then then do something else. But in reality, they're both caught and taught. This Deuteronomy 6 passage speaks to fathers talking to their children while the children see their dads in action. Rabbi Lawrence Kushner wrote a book, A Jewish Spirituality. And he says that in biblical times, there was no such thing as a spiritual life that was separate from all your other lives, business life and home life, it was just all one thing. We have a tendency to segregate our lives, but Jewish fathers didn't. It was all, it was all one. Some of you will remember the uh, basketball coach, John Wooden. He coached at UCLA and won 10 national championships. He grew up in a small town in Indiana. 
And he was a teacher and he loved to tell stories about the things that he learned from his dad. And he told a lot of stories about his dad. And one of the things is his dad would constantly tell John and his brother uh, this, this thing called three sets or two sets of three. This lesson of three sets, uh, two sets of three. The dad said, never lie, never cheat, never steal. So that was one set. And then the second set was don't whine, don't complain, and don't make excuses. So that was two sets of three. He said in the 20s that his dad faced an unbelievable setback. A bad vaccination killed all the hogs on the farm. And then a, a drought wiped out all the crops. And then they didn't have insurance for that sort of thing. And so the bank foreclosed on the house and took the house. So the family was devastated, lost everything. And John Wooden says, through it all, he never saw his dad wince. He did not blame the merchant who sold him the bad serum, didn't curse the weather, had no hatred toward the banker. Wooden said, my father had done his best, but things went bad. As instructive as it was to hear him recite the two sets of threes, Seeing him abide by them as he lost the farm had a most powerful effect on me. That's where I came to see that what you do is more important than what you say you'll do. Douglas Wilson says that fathers are speaking about God the Father constantly. They do not have the option of shutting up. What they're saying may be true or false, but they are not in a position where they can refuse to say anything. Wilson says that when a two-year-old boy shakes the crib at 3.30 in the morning, he's going to learn what fatherhood is like. He says a father who sits and stares, a father who's down at the office all the time, a father who deserts the family, all of them are speaking about God the Father. And a father who teaches his daughter why Peter Rabbit should have obeyed, kisses his wife, or reads to his children at night, he's also speaking too. One last point on teaching and training our children, uh, and it's that we are to do this in the direction that God has for them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, to train a child in the way he should go, and when to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And some folks confuse this and think that this means you figure out where your child needs to go and you get them there. But the verse really means is find out where God wants them to go, and then you help them get there. So you study your child, and you figure out how God has shaped them, and what gifts has he given them, and then you help them get there. As a boy, I spent about half my waking hours looking for friends to play basketball with. And uh, so when my oldest daughter was born, I said, great, I'll treat her just the way I wanted to be treated. And uh, she was uh, age five or six, and, uh, and I said, sweetie, I said, why, why don't you like basketball too much? And she said, well, she says, they don't wear very pretty outfits. <laughs> and being the, the clever sales guy that I was, I said, and knowing that her favorite colors were purple and pink, I said, so in other words, if I got you a purple and pink basketball outfit, you would play basketball. And she said, Maybe. She's an attorney right now, actually. So, and so I learned that lesson. I didn't force basketball on my, on my next three girls that were born. They, sports-wise, they did volleyball and road horses and track and soccer and other things. But I learned that lesson for a season. 
and then, then my son was born and it was going to be game on. Right. And so I gave him every opportunity I didn't have. So I got, gave, you know, spring teams and summer camps and the best coaches I could find. Um, and he's such a good guy. He honored me and did everything I asked to do. But eventually I figured out that I was loving it more than him. And uh, I could not redeem my below average basketball career through, through him. And uh, we even actually to this day will kick off basketball season with me calling him and asking him to forgive me for pushing him so hard in it. We, I really don't, but anyway. Um, godly fathers will first impact generations. Second, teach and train their children to walk with God. And then third, godly fathers will receive and give God's grace and mercy. You know, fathers have a tremendous responsibility and authority, and they're going to be held accountable to, by the Lord on how they led their children. But fathers make mistakes every day, right? Sometimes we're too lenient and not wise, and sometimes we're too harsh. It's interesting in the, in the New Testament, there are only two specific commands directed right at fathers. Now, there are other verses that reference maybe a a leader in the church's household. But um, there are two commands, and both have to do with fathers being too harsh. Maybe it's, it's part of our DNA. But um, Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So, fathers, when we catch ourselves exasperating and embittering our children, let's be quick to apologize. This is going to teach them to be humble. It'll teach them about forgiveness. It'll teach them to apologize. In, in Luke 15, in the prodigal son story, Jesus uh, asks us to consider the actions of the younger son and the older son. You know, sometimes our children will be both sons, right? Sometimes a, a child will be selfish and seek their own pleasure and they're short-sighted. And then other times, uh, a, a child will be prideful and arrogant and legalistic. They won't have that warm relationship with the parents that we want. And of course, you and I have been both to God our Father. We have been selfish and we've been arrogant. But today, let's look at the Father. He's a picture of, of God our Father. And the Father's grace that he shows these sons is an example of the grace that we need to show. The father, when the younger son ran up to him to apologize, he'd, he'd, he'd memorized his apology and he went up to apologize and, the, and the, the dad interrupted him. He said, he said, quick. He said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and he is found and they began to celebrate. And then when the older son was prideful and showed no love to his dad, the father said again with grace, my son, you're always with me and everything I have, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Rembrandt painted this uh, picture that you see. Author Henry Nolan uh, studied the painting 
And he said he came to a whole new understanding of the Father's tenderness and mercy. And as he looked at how Rembrandt painted the hands and the face and the body, no one wrote that he saw infinite compassion, unconditional love, everlasting forgiveness. He said that our Father from the beginning of creation has stretched out his arms in merciful blessing, never forcing himself on anyone, but always waiting, never letting his arms drop in despair. His only desire is to bless. Luke 6.36 says, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. As we, um, as we go through um, this series on building strong families, one of the things we want to do is we want to make sure that we offer some practical ideas. And so I've got a couple of uh, practical tips and suggestions for fathers, but uh, every father in here would have the same number of tips and probably most would be a lot better than these, but uh, here's my shot since I've got the microphone. Um, In the Army, SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedure. And so I have uh, grouped these under the acronym SOP. So uh, S stands for schedules, schedule. Fathers need to be obsessive about how they invest their time. You know, the Lord, your wife, your children, and then your job. We, we always have time for what's most important. When I worked in Argentina again, um, I had a 45 commute home. And the job was a hard job. And there was a lot of work to do. And the culture in Argentina is people worked late in the office. And, uh, but, uh, my kids started to go to bed at eight o'clock at night. And, uh, I just said, my schedule says I'm leaving at six and I can still remember getting up, leaving my office. My assistant was still there working hard and, uh, would walk through the bullpen and everyone was working, but I went home and because of that was a, an important schedule decision that I made. O stands for one-on-one time, uh, An old dad told me this several years before I had any children. But his point was, when you have multiple children, you spend a lot of your time uh, working on logistics. You know, if they're all in the back seat or breaking up arguments, and uh, you don't get quality time to teach and train. And so um, I would encourage all of fathers to maximize their one-on-one time. With my five children, some Saturdays I would uh, get up, and the one that got up earliest... I would take you out on a one-on-one date from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Then I'd come back. And then from 9.30 to 11.30, take number two. And then from noon to two and finish up from five to seven. And um, I was tired at the end of the day, probably not as tired as Judy was back at home. But, uh, you know, and obviously, but it helped me with my one-on-one time. Obviously, dads, we can be there physically, but not there emotionally, right? So if you're there, if you've made the effort, be all in. Um, P stands for plan. So several quick things under plan. First, ask God for help because he's going to say yes to that prayer, right? Uh, Read great books. There are so many good books on being a great dad. And so uh, get those. Meet with older dads. Old guys love to give young dads advice. And so it doesn't have to be formal. Just invite them for a coffee and ask three great questions and you'll save yourself probably a lot of pain and time. Uh, Next, get feedback. I stole this idea from Jim Daly, who's the president of Focus on the Family. He has two boys. Whenever his sons get a report card, 
then um, they get to give Jim a report card on how he's doing as a dad. And so I think he's got six, five or six different areas where he gets a grade. Uh, one is, um, am I teaching about God? Uh, do we spend enough time together? Or we, do we have fun together? Um, I told a friend of mine about this exercise, and he did it with his sons this last week. He's got three sons. He, got, he told me he got some A's, but not straight A's. And it sounds like he had a spectacular discussion with his boys on how he can be a, be a better dad. Um, next point under plan is give your wife some rest. Um, and I think good godly fathers do this. We watched a family video a while ago and, uh, it was when Judy had, or we had, uh, a zero, one-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old and seven-year-old. So busy time. And, uh, the video was on for a long time and Judy was just off. You could tell. And, uh, and one of our children, when they watched the video, said, Mom, like, what was wrong? And she said, I was really tired. <laughs> and I would, the funny thing is I would have given myself pretty high marks for giving her rest. I would sometimes take all five down to Louisville to see my mom. And so Grandma got some grandchildren time and Judy got a free day. But whatever I did, I'd have done about three times more in hindsight. So uh, to be a godly dad, give your wife some rest. And then finally, I'd suggest write it down. If you have a plan, write it down. We write everything else down that's important, right? We write down uh, career plans and 401k plans and business plans and vacation plans. If you write it down, you can hold yourself accountable. You can share it with somebody. And I would encourage you, uh, you know, five things done well on your plan is better than a 10-page plan that falls because it's too heavy and too complex. Anyway, a few tips. I wanted to... um, finish this morning by telling you a story about uh, a dad. This is a picture of uh, James Jones. I met James in 1988. He uh, was 19 at the time, had a tough upbringing. Uh, He never knew his dad. Uh, He was uh, in a gang in over the Rhine, uh, was selling drugs, got arrested. uh, When I met him, he had just gotten out of jail. And uh, some of you may remember uh, a fellow by the name of Ben Huffine, who worked for City Cure at the time. Uh, I met James through Ben. And um, it's an interesting side story. Uh, ben was visiting with James when he was in jail and said, James, do you mind if I pray for you? What can I pray for you about? And he says, yeah, I'd love for you to pray for me. He says, um, Kishan uh, is expecting our first baby. And uh, I would love to be present for the baby's birth. And about three weeks later, James had a Sunday pass and was due back at jail at 1 p.m. And Kashan had the baby at 11.47. And James said, from that moment, I knew that, that God loved me and cared about me and heard my prayers. And so that's how James gave his life to the Lord. Um, uh, Judy and I and six other couples kind of came alongside James and Kishan and uh, neither one had known their dad and really kind of tried to pour into them and mentor them a bit and you know give them some life skills and parenting skills and marriage skills and they are so smart and such a strong work ethic they just flourished they ended up having five children of their own five biological children over 15 years James uh, mentored uh, over a hundred children in the Sycamore School District, just to pour into them. Um, he 
um, was, uh, he had uh, 20 foster children. He adopted 15 children in addition to his five. So James ended up with, uh, James and Kashan ended up with 20, 20 children total. I asked James, I said, why did you mentor and adopt so many folks? And he said, I love to teach. And I said, what do you teach them about? He said, he said, I teach them how good God is, how we can trust him. If we trust him, we have no worries. And then he said, and then life gets real simple. I just said, oh man, that is so good. He, you know, I'm talking, I got a few weeks ago, I went and visited with him and got caught up and he's telling me the story and I'm remembering him as a 19 year old and I'm just crying. And after a while, he looks at me and he's like, dude, get a grip, you know? (laughs) About three years ago, Kashan started to do some online research to see if she could find James's dad. Didn't even know if he was alive or anything. And they found him in North Carolina. And um, they went down there and met him. Had never talked to him, never seen him. And James went up to his dad and his dad starts weeping. And James said, Dad, I love you. I forgive you. And he said his dad couldn't stop, couldn't stop weeping. And he said, no, you can't forgive me. And, and James said, God has forgiven me. I forgive you. He said that, um, that every day now, every day since then, every day, he calls James, his dad calls James and leaves a message for him and says, I love you, son. I love you, son. Um. This is, a, uh, this is a picture of uh, James's family. And uh, they, they took a trip to the Bahamas uh, last year. And the funny thing about this picture is when he gave it to me, he said, Steve, he said, he said actually five of my sons couldn't come. <laughs> so I want you to think of that picture a third bigger than it really is, okay? Um, the, uh, the man on the far right, the gentleman on the far right in the white hat, that's James's dad. That he, uh, that he brought to the Bahamas with him. So uh, James uh, has created and is live, leaving a godly legacy. He is impacting generations of his 20 children and now his eight grandchildren. James is teaching and training them to walk with God. He's received God, God's mercy and grace. He's giving God's mercy and grace. So, amen to James and Kashan and the work they've done through their being a great dad and a great mom. Let's, um, as we close, uh, let me invite the worship team up. And um, we're going to have the prayer teams off. And during the worship uh, songs, as we close, if there are um, things that we can pray with you about, anything, we all need prayer. So feel free to, to do that and to come up and get some prayer. And I want to close in a kind of a special way today. I want to ask, I want to pray a blessing over every boy and man here, and uh, whether you're a dad or not. And so if you're able to stand um, from zero to age 99, if you could just stand up, uh, let, me just, uh, let me just say a prayer for you. Father God, I just, uh, I thank you for each boy and each man here. And I thank you for the skills and gifts and talents you've given each one. Father, for the, for the boys here, 
I pray that they would uh, desire to be godly men and godly fathers, that they would have examples in their life that they can follow. I pray that you would bring each one that you want to have marry, that, that you would bring them a noble wife. Father, I speak a blessing over every father here, every man that will be a father, every man that could be a father for a child that doesn't have a father. Father, I pray that they would understand they will impact generations. Father, I pray that they would teach and train their children well. I pray that they would receive and give God's grace and mercy. Like Asher, Father, I pray that they would train heads of family, that they would train their children to be choice men and women, that they would train brave warriors and outstanding leaders. And Father, for the grandfathers here, I pray that each one of us would would finish the race strong and run fast through the tape, that we would um, teach our children's children to walk closely with you, and that we would be a blessing to all we come in contact with. Father, I just speak a blessing over each boy and each man here, and it's in uh, your son and our Savior's name I pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? Thank you, man. Say a word 
Amen and amen. Let's, uh, let me share a benediction for you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.